church should not be caught off guard. The fact that we have allowed these things to creep into the church's paradigm is the real issue. It should never have been possible. We should have always understood this simple biblical ethic that is so clear that everything belongs to God. This is the base understanding of a Christian. I am not my own. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize the faith. Well, episode 52, Jesse, of the Carpe Fide podcast. We find ourselves here again. Here we go again in the basement. Yes, it is nice and cold here in the winter basement. It's cold and musty in the winter basement. Well, so... We would encourage you, as we hit 52 episodes, there's a lot of content to go back and listen to. Uh, you should check out any of uh, the wonderful podcasts we've done on history, family, education, the church. So there's lots of stuff. Uh, we'd love for you to uh, listen to those, give us some feedback uh, if you have any thoughts on any of those. So go ahead and give that a little ring Listen, we know the statistics. We know when you all started listening, and it was not at episode one. Yeah, and the problem is... Which is probably the problem is you're missing all of our good content when <laughs> we started. That's not it's true. So much good all content. of our interviews are great. Oh no, that's true. Our guests are great. It's just we had so much good good content that we don't want you to miss out on. That's all. Uh, he said it, not me. So if you're disappointed, it's not my <laughs> just fault. Just lay it lay it firmly on my shoulders. We also don't want to forget to mention that uh, you can head over to the Carpet Fide shop this uh, rest of this month. We're coming rapidly through the month. It's like time is so fast anymore. Um, but we're supporting the Free the States uh, organization for abolition of abortion. So you can go ahead and anything you buy, we're giving 10% this month towards Free the States. And we have this super awesome uh, Abolish Abortion t-shirt that you should check out because it's pretty epic. It drips. That's disgusting. It does not drip. It just wears beautifully. No, I mean, that's what the kids say. Why do they keep changing the words, the kids? Well, in, drip is like, hold on. Again, I gotta look it up. He's now urban dictionarying drip, everyone. Just want everyone to know what's happening right now. This is not related to the topic that we will be talking about. Unfortunately, we will get a definition. It's an adjective to describe your outfit, similar to swag, sauce, steez, or swank. Wow, it's literally related to outfits, so I guess the... <laughs> All right, your outfit... No, no we're not you saying can't that. read that one. All right, the example of main... <laughs> My outfit is dripping right now. I, I guess I guess that is main is also a thing. I'm anyway, main. try to main. try to go ahead and incorporate drip into your everyday <laughs> vernacular as you're talking about your outfits. See, it's an alternate pronunciation of man. It main. Oh, I thought it meant. I thought it was something to do with like. Well, that, I was a main. The lion's hair. My outfit is dripping right now. <laughs> All right, so we're going to stop that. Uh, today, we're going to talk about what um, many churches united together to talk about. <laughs> This past Sunday, and that was uh, establishing the a firm biblical sexual ethic. Yes. Uh, so this is a good. This could be a good topic. I think, I think they officially called it Conversion Sunday. I think that was the hashtag that they ah, were hashtag Conversion to do. Sunday. Yes. Well, uh, this came about because uh, Bill C four, which we do have a, a lovely article up on our up on our website at Carbon the Library. Written uh, by, why am I forgetting his David name? Hansen. Thank you so much. Written by David Hansen. Did a great job on Bill C4. From Church Awake Media. There it is. And uh, we, we had the joy of crossing over and doing a, a write-up for him. So it was great to have him on our uh, website. You should read that if you didn't know what Bill C4 was in Canada. But it was basically more or less outlaws uh, the ability of pastors to speak biblical truth uh, regarding sexual ethics. Uh, so they can't say things, you couldn't say things like... Um, uh, certain sexual practices would be sinful uh, and should be repented of and brought under the lordship of Christ. So you you can't say you can't say those things from the pulpit anymore, unless you're or you'd be in violation of what would be similar to a federal uh, law. So that's really rough. And so in doing what we wanted to do, not just in Canada but across America as well, is support them in realizing that we need to establish that it's the church's call to establish um, what the biblical sexual ethic is because it's good for all people to live the way God has intended them to live. Uh, it's, it brings the maximum joy uh, to this life, and we should not live outside of God's construct. Yeah. Speaking of spheres, uh, establishing a sexual ethic was not given to the government to do and set up. Well, that's who? God. There you go. Yeah, I was actually, uh, someone just shared with us actually today, um, this day of recording. Um, I think it's I think it's called West Lafayette in Indiana, their city ordinance is, 
they're they're trying to pass an ordinance in their city to ban unlicensed counselors from doing this uh, conversion therapy thing, which we all know is just a catch-all. Um, and there's a really big, from what I understand, there's a church with a very significant biblical counseling ministry. They offer over 70 hours a week in free counseling to the community. And they think that it was like basically directly aimed at that church. Where is this again? Lafayette? I think it's, I think it was like West Lafayette. It was in, uh, it was in Al Mohler's The Briefing from January 19th. Oh, very good. I believe that we actually may know that because Lafayette sounds very familiar with the church that would come occasionally. Is it Faith? Fellowship, it's, I think it's an FBC church, like a fellowship something church. It's very interesting. Uh, let's see. It's very interesting. But it makes no, it, it absolutely makes sense given what we are seeing in our culture. This push is not just in Canada. It's going to be happening across the country. Uh, in large part, this is the way um, a liberal ideology of the sexual revolution is moving. It turns out the world does not really like God nor his standards. Uh, and they certainly do not like his word. So for them to live outside of it only makes uh, complete sense, um, although it is to their destruction. Yeah. It's actually kind of funny. On, on this website, um, anybody that speaks for the ban is wearing a mask, and anyone that's not speaking or that's speaking against the ban is unmasked, including the mayor of West Lafayette himself. So good on him. Yeah, good on him. And it seems as if uh, the people that are speaking for the ban... He looks sophisticated. He does. It looks... The people uh, that are speaking uh, for the ban with their masks on probably just don't want us to see their faces for it is their shame. 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 Shame the (laughs) non-believer. So uh, what we'd like to do today is um, address what a biblical sexual ethic looks like coming from God's word and why. Why is really the key. Why is it so important for us to understand what God calls us to do uh, as men and women and living together in the most intimate of sexual ways. Wow, you just described the biblical sexual ethic. It was pretty simple, actually. It's, it's quite simple. Well, this has been another episode of Double <laughs> Podcast. Before we do that, though, there was some. There's a lot of pushback for some reason. Um, whenever a large effort, which we like to refer to as something like the concentration of power, is a military term, the focused effort of power uh, that the church has in speaking towards one issue uh, pulls pulls you away from teaching in your maybe your normal exegetical mode um and that there's it's as if there's something wrong with with that and i would like to say that it doesn't seem to make the most sense to me um because most of what we know in in our history particularly in in christian history um has been the leaders of the church speaking out uh, emphatically um to the church itself uh, about the cultural issues to establish the correct doctrinal positions uh, from God's word so that the church could push aside these cultural ideas that creep into the church. Um, and it doesn't matter where you turn in the Bible, you will see that in the epistles. Clearly, they're constantly pushing back on cultural issues that have crept into the church that need to be squashed out and reestablished with clear biblical doctrine that that lines up with God and his standard. But even through church history, time and time again, uh, the martyrs, the martyrs went to be martyred because usually because they were establishing themselves against whatever the cultural mandate and motif was at the time, um, whether that be licensing or unlicensing preachers, speaking of licensing, um, whether that be uh, freely distributing God's word. Um, you know, I mean, Martin Luther nailed 95 thesis uh, to the Wittenberg church door specifically because he was attacking the cultural motifs that were creeping into the church at the time. It's, it's pretty consistent. Um, Oh, they weren't just crept in. They were the church. Right. And so, and so we don't, there's, there's nothing. It's Wittenberg. Sorry. Be, being a Gruber, I should probably speak the Martin Luther, the W's in the the church of Wittenberg. Yes. The this is 95 thesis. The Dieter Worms. Dieter Worms. Dieter Worms. So, so Dieter Im- Watson. <laughs> I think it's important for us to acknowledge uh, that the church should absolutely be taking time to speak into uh, the cultural issues of the day. Uh, it is not anything wrong to to either pause in an exegetical teaching to address something that is looming um, and or to u- utilize as you're teaching exegetically those issues that come up naturally in, an ex- in the course of an exegesis. Uh, this is not a problem. This is absolutely okay, and it is actually good church history to do so. Yeah, I mean, especially in times such as these, and especially when we're, we're 
trying to accomplish the concentration of force uh, and effort onto a particular area where the battle line is particularly dark. Um, it just makes sense. Uh, as, as one person, I don't, I don't know if I can say their name, but as, as one person that we were talking to on the instance uh, said, uh, I don't know why people uh, push back so hard against this as if we can't uh, take a topic and preach through it exegetically. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Ain't that just, that's just the truth. Yep. Yipper. So having so. said that and laid that groundwork, um, we're going to just briefly walk through kind of what we did at, at our church this Sunday, and hopefully it edifies you uh, as you need to be equipped and ready to address equipped. why. Ready. No, I'm not speaking in German <laughs> Now I'm <accents>. doing Arnold. <laughs> You're doing Austrian. Austrian. <laughs> so. You don't need rights. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow, that guy... You know, you know what? he was the Republican governor of California at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to believe. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it is California. Well, the steroids do something to your brain as well. So, they, yeah, man, wah, wah, melted. So, melted his brain. We we focused in our church on really giving us the why, um, because it's important for us as as individuals that are going to be going out into the culture uh, to know why we're saying these things. It's the most important thing because we, we keep coming back to the same reality. There's no difference uh, as far as sin goes um, in its, in its reality to the life of a believer or a non-believer. Sin is still present. The difference is that the sin in the life of a believer has been bought and paid for under the shed blood of the cross and the resurrection of the savior. Um, and that's the main, that's the main difference. That is, it's not the main difference. It is the singular difference. And the reason we need to highlight that is because we're going to struggle with sin throughout our lives as well as we need to constantly be conformed to the image of Christ and bring that, uh, under his Lordship, uh, and repentance, but the world's going to need to repent as well. And so we can relate to the world in understanding this. So in understanding the why, what we also do is give a biblical framework for all of us to remember yet again, why we are fighting sin in our own lives, because it is the same, even as we're speaking about a biblical sexual ethic, it's the same for all sin, because the reality of what we looked at was we are all idol factories. Our hearts are idol factories seeking to exalt ourselves and our passions above God and placing them on the throne of God. Yeah. 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 I was trying to think of a German way to say John Calvin, but that's more Austrian. <laughs> oh You're just stuck in Arnold. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm stuck in Arnold. We did some we did some real cursory laying the groundwork when we were talking this Sunday. Um so establishing the fact that um everything belongs to God. The reality of the biblical sexual ethic, uh, as we look at even as man trying to creep in with tyrannical dictatorship over the church, telling the church what it can and cannot say publicly. Um, we need to realize that it is it is everything that belongs to God. So in establishing that, we walk through creation very simply, right? Genesis 1, 1 through 2 will clearly show you that God is the one who creates. He is the one ever present in the creation. It is his creation. John 1, 1 through 5 also tells us that Christ himself is there. In fact, so when you put Genesis 1, 1 through 2 and John 1, 1 through 5, Together, you realize that is the Trinity present from the very moment of creation at every level, and it all belongs to God. Yes. Potter, clay. Yep. He's a potter. Yep. And so the clay doesn't say, well, why am I a vessel for uh, nasty use? He says, I'm the potter, and I made you be useful. (laughs) Shut up and eat grass, Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway. Um. The next thing we looked at when we see... Unless you ask William Lane Craig. <laughs> oh, we don't have time to die. No, we do not that. have time to die. What's wrong with you? Uh, Genesis one twenty six points out not only is all of creation God's, but as a subset of that, man is indeed God's as well. Uh, man belongs to God. So if God, creation is God, the subset of man in creation also belongs to God. And when God made the garden in Genesis 2.8, what we see is it was God's garden. He literally planted the garden and then sets man in it. All of these things are gods. And this is where we come in. Sometimes we get confused. We're like, why did God, why did God even make the garden and, and put Adam in it? Why did he even do that? Well, it's God's garden. It was man was God's creation. They, they all belonged to him. It wasn't, it wasn't God setting up a slippery slope for Adam. It was him making for his glory, all things. So yeah. the next thing we see is, uh, you've got created man. Mm hmm. 
yep. in, in creation, which was also created by God. Yep. And you've got the garden in which created man is situated and placed and given stewardship over the garden. Uh, and then we find out that even the speech in the garden, even the commands, the very commands that were spoken, the rules are God's as well. And he lays them out clearly for man in Genesis one twenty eight through thirty one, uh, in Genesis two fifteen through seventeen, um, that God wants uh, man to be able to have rule and dominion over this world, but it is given to him by God. It is literally uh, God's command to him to do these things, and so it's not an option. Rather, it's a command, and he wants him. He literally gives him the garden. He puts him in the garden so that he can see to to build the world this way, to fulfill the earth. To fill the earth and to subdue it in this manner, which is why he plants the garden, which is why he shows Adam what a planted garden looks like. And he puts him in it to keep it and then to fill the earth with such things. Yeah. God's plans always, God's plans are always the best plans. You know what I mean? Yep. You ever ever feel that? Oh, I I feel it. You feel it. Yeah. I mean, it's like we want, we as people just, we want to rebel against God's plans and decrees as if we think that what our, as, as if we think our ideas are better. You know, and that's exactly what that's exactly what the governments are trying to do. I mean, didn't was it? New, I, I meant to look this up before we started, but didn't New Jersey or somewhere up here, like or somewhere north of us, like do conversion bills as well? I'm not aware, actually. I I really should look that up. Probably should find out more. Yeah, but I mean, but that's exactly just... what these magistrates are trying to do. They're trying to literally create a society separate and also opposite of how God set society up, and uh, well. It's just, it's just not the way. Yeah, and so when you see the, the, when sin creeps in in Genesis 3, as the fall occurs, all it is is we exalt ourselves over God. We exalt, we think that we know better than God. You can see it even in the first three verses of Genesis 3, which I know isn't like the main, usually the main text when we think of the fall. It's, I thought you know, that there was only a 15th verse in Genesis 3. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's so many verses in Genesis 3. Uh, but in the first three verses, How you many? see the ex- <laughs> You don't know. Oh. Oh, I'm so sorry. When we look at the first three verses, we see the uh, exchange between Eve and Satan. And <laughs> we see... 15. <laughs> <laughs> we, see uh, we see, even in this brief exchange, um, as, as Satan tries to slip up and put words in God's mouth about the tree, Eve herself has added things. She's, she says that it's not, it's not just that they can't eat the tree. It's that if they, not just that if they don't eat the tree, eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, but if they touch it as well, already we see that we think we know better than God. We've added in things to God's word. That's not what God said. And we know this to be true because it is not when Adam and Eve touch the fruit. It is neither of them when they touch it that causes the sin and fall to enter creation. Rather, it is after it is eaten, which is what God had commanded in the first place. So we're constantly thinking we know better than God. And that's the problem. If everything belongs to God, we need to conform to what God's standard is. There's no reason to go, out, there's no reason to go outside of God's standard to look for a better way. But yet that is what we're continually doing, um, exalting ourselves and our desires over God. Yeah. I mean, the, the rules didn't change just because Eve tried to change the rules. You know, it wasn't right. Yeah. I mean, like the, the moment she touched it is not when, you know, they knew that they were naked and they hid themselves. It was when they ate of it. Just what God said. Huh. It's like God knows. Every time. <laughs> so let's stop trying to run this stuff. We we have this It's giant like Moses st- talked to the rock and it was like thwack. And it's like, well, that's, boy, that's, that's and, not what and this not is why to do. This is why <laughs> when you say a biblical sexual <laughs> ethic, we're addressing, we're in this, we are addressing everything from uh, gender dysphoria, the idea that we can, make shape remake adjust readjust our gender based upon our own desires to how we actually interact with our our intimate sexual actions like homosexual or sex outside of marriage or all these different things and we're making up things like pansexual and asexual and transmosexual losses and yeah. we're just making up words we're just shoving things in so this actually transsexual <laughs> we're addressing all of these things at the same time they are all belong to God, and we don't we we don't conform ourselves to our passions. Rather, we conform ourselves to what God's standard is, because in that is life. Outside of that, there is not life. There is darkness and death. And we want to we want to live. We want to live to the fullness that God has created us, because we have been created for His glory. Yeah, we want to be in the light, as you are in the light. And we want to shine like the stars. No, no, <laughs> no, no, 
I mean, yes, but no. So, so Lord, be my light. Okay, stop singing. And be the, my stop. salvation. Because all I want is to is that be Stephen Curtis Chapman in the light. I think that's Stephen Curtis Chapman. I don't know. I'm pretty positive. Um, <laughs> Maybe if I started singing it like for real, you would it would come. Oh, out. I know. I, it's already in my head. I have it right there. I'm pretty positive it's Stephen Curtis Chapman. Right. I'm almost positive. It's regardless. Tell us in the notes. Tell us in the in the comments somewhere uh, on the Facebooks or the Instas. Um, or the Twitters, I guess we're there too. I mean, or the gaps anywhere. Please tell us anywhere. The uh, <laughs> the next idea we wanted to bring in was this idea of tyranny that is over and above, um, really this overarching reach into the church, as if the church should not be speaking these clear truths for the world to be healed by, because that's the reality of what repentance and and conforming to Christ is. It's it's healing. It's healing ourselves. Um, as it's it's Christ healing us. It's not us healing ourselves. Jeez, that's heresy. Gosh, don't please don't stone me. <laughs> you Jesse, need to be in the light. <laughs> Jesse really did pick up a stone. I'm really scared. Um, Where's the hammer? <laughs> no, not the hammer. Uh, <laughs> we looked we looked at uh, this phrase that is actually present in the United States Declaration of Independence, but it's also present um, f- from in English common law. It goes all the way back, and this is the idea of the law of nature, the laws of nature, and nature's God. Um, and it's a very powerful statement. Um, and people try to pick this apart and they say they, they take this phrase from the Declaration of Independence. It's in the preamble. It's right at the beginning. It really sets everything off. Um, and, and, and the whole reason they were appealing away from uh, the authority of the crown of England for their for their uh, God-given rights is because they were appealing to the laws of nature and nature's God. The laws of nature was simply a way, uh, like Romans 1 highlights, of knowing God and knowing God from His uh, natural creation, He has made, and we know that Romans one tells us that in present in what God has created is His eternal power and divine nature. Um, so Romans one eighteen through twenty will will we'll point you right there, as well as a, as a as a beautiful picture from Psalms, which is absolutely I, I feel quite confident that's where where Paul was drawing from his knowledge of the Psalms as he's writing Romans in Psalm nineteen one through six. This is expressing the the eternal power and divine nature of God in creation. And so to say the law of nature's laws of nature was not actually imploring anyone to look into nature as if nature was God. Rather, it was saying that God had made this, and we can know this because He has made it. Um, that way, so yeah, it's it's not two competing categories. You know, it's not like uh, it's not like the the Christians were making a category or an exception for the secularists. It was it's 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 a hierarchy of thing. The laws of nature, and then above that, nature's God Himself. Right, and this is why it's really super important for us to establish the idea. It's a hierarchy. <laughs> when we when we look into nature, we don't want to we don't want to conform ourselves uh, in what God has created to whatever marginalized things we can find in 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 in, in nature uh, to anything that would be you know outside the norm we don't want to conform ourselves to the the fault the the faulty standards in nature god has created nature generally exactly how he wants it and it works how it's supposed to um, that's one of the reasons why you can't actually um, procreate procreate outside of having a man and a woman it's not possible <laughs> outside of a male or female anything you do not get um, I mean, plants do reproduce. Yeah, plants, plants are one of those things. <laughs> but but the you don't you don't go to the you, you go to the aggregate of what God has created. You don't run to the the far reaches to figure out. Oh no, this is exact, this is how it works. But that's not how it works. That's the that's the abnormal form of how it works. Um, and so God has created it exactly to work how it's supposed to. We should try to be. We should be seeking to conform ourselves to the standard He has made. It is His standard. Everything belongs to God. Yeah, yeah. Romans one twenty also has this interesting phrase in it, where it actually Paul is very emphatic when he looks at the at the, the order of of nature that God has made, in which we see His eternal power and divine nature. He says that there there is no excuse; they are left without excuse because this, these things are plain and obvious to them. Rather, they are rejecting them. It's so it's so clear, so clear, so clear, and so. We do, what, we, so do, we do what man always does, right? And Romans 1 just keeps walking us down that road, 21 through 23, right? They, and, it says they clearly know him and choose volitionally to reject him. Yeah. It's the garden all over again. It is. It's on repeat. Mm-hmm. Like the song that never ends. Don't sing another song. <laughs> just goes on and on, my friends. <laughs> Some people started singing it and they didn't know what they were doing and they'll continue singing it forever. 
That's not the song. For them. I know. I switched it up on purpose so we didn't keep going. <laughs> because <laughs> this is a song. Because <laughs> uh, God then says he will that their hearts will be darkened. He will literally darken their hearts. Uh, the more the more we run into this um, this false uh, lie that we create for ourselves, the more our hearts are darkened. Um, and he, he is literally through all of creation calling us to his light. Um, but we, we continue to reject it. Uh, they exchange their wisdom, um, for, for God's wisdom, which ends up actually just being foolishness. Well, they exchange God's wisdom for their wisdom. That's what I meant. Strike that reverse it. Yeah. Yes. As Willy Wonka said, um, and it is foolishness that our wisdom is foolishness to God. It is, it is the foolishness. And so we need to run to God's wisdom and, and stop laying hold of this foolish, faulty reasoning that we use. Um, and, and then yet again, we see that, that they fashioned idols in verse 23 that were after their own image. They were literally of man and beasts and sons. And we, we make our own gods, but they're really more than just our own gods. There, there are passions and our desires fleshed out into something we can really touch and hold. And that is exactly what we do with, um, these, this the sexual revolution does. It takes our passions and puts them into a sexualized form, um, and so we run to the run to these idols. Uh, Isaiah forty four um, actually does a great job. If you want to see the pictures of how foolish the idol factory of the human heart is, when we make these things, um, we exalt these things that are part of the creation which belongs to God already, and we manipulate and pervert them to our own ends. It's disgusting. Is that a gross sound over the audio? It sounded gross to me. <laughs> Hopefully it depicted how disgusting it is when we do this to God, because it's really gross. Just think of like the most disgusting thing, like like a cat throwing up. Oh, that noise. I can do that noise. Should we do it now? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and they always do it twice. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like a thing. Have you noticed that? <laughs> oh, now he's joking. I love how they, I love how they like lay it out for you. They, they, they like, do. They, they put like, it in a line. They back up as yeah, they, they do, do it. Just, like, <laughs> lay it out like as if they're setting the table. Like, oh, gosh, cats <laughs> see what are, I have made. What is it? And clean it up. Clean now. this up now, you fools. Before I get the urge to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll do it. Then I'll do it again. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> funny story. When <laughs> oh, this is gonna go downhill fast. When uh, when we had Evie. Uh, our oldest, you know, new parents, and it's like you know every little thing at night just startles you. Like we finally we transition her to the crib, and then you're like, "What's going on in there?" And then we we, we both we both st- <laughs> we both start awake hearing this otherworldly noise <laughs> in the monitor, and we both we both like like listen, I, I'm not a get out of better kind of guy. Uh, but we both got up and ran into the room. And it was our cat just hacking right in the middle of the room. You're not a get out of better, huh? I'm not a get out of better. I'm like a, I'm like a, you know, stay in, stay in bed until I know there's a real threader. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, we we both popped up, and there's our stinking cat just throwing up right in the middle of the baby's room. <laughs> That's. That's a great story, Jess. The baby was fine, though, which was great. Great. Didn't even wake up, if I recall the the story correctly. Great story, Hansel. Anyway. (laughs) How did we end up here? (laughs) Oh, yeah, we were talking about how stupid our foolishness and disgusting our depravity is. And you have highlighted it clearly with the sound of a cat and causing such fear and disgustingness disgustingness to us. Yes. So (laughs) when you move forward in Romans 1, you get to verse 24 to 32. Paul begins to clearly unpack um, what that looks like in practice as we we exalt ourselves again and make our own idols um, that we we stupidly begin to worship um, the highest form of creation we can find and at the pinnacle of creation that we know God has made as the word outlines is man because he made man in his own image man is the pinnacle of creation so we begin to worship man but the highest form of worship um, that man has is whatever his passion is. And so we begin to worship our passions, whatever our passions are. And this is why the scripture clearly calls us right to bring our thoughts captive to Christ, because if not, we will begin to let our, our thoughts control us and move our passions and our passions will not be for what Christ has. We have not bring them under, if we do not bring them under his authority and his control, they will be for what we want. And that is not, that is the foolishness, right? That is foolishness. It is not God's wisdom to do so. Right. And, and the highest passion of man that is born out 
is indeed how we use the very body God has given. Uh, our actions, our thoughts, uh, th- these, are, these are the forms of worship we take on when we reject God and choose to worship. Worship the creation rather than the creator. Um, and this is why this is how we get every form of broken um, s- sexual gratification for ourselves only instead of realizing how glorious and worshipful it has been created to be inside of the bounds God gives between a husband and a wife creating that covenant community of family Um, and we pervert it into every form and this is why we we literally don't have enough words to describe the amount of genders we want to try to confuse right now because any passion any passion can be your God when God is taken out of the equation I like to cook, so I'm a frying pan sexual. <laughs> <laughs> I do like fried food. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. Who doesn't like fried food? Like me some fried food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but but yeah, and, and I think I I was thinking about this as you were teaching it, like you know, you know when we when you were reading Isaiah, what is it, Isaiah 44? You know, and it's it's going through all the all the just the all the stupid things that man fashions with his own hands, and it's like thinking of modernity. Like, okay, yeah, sure, we don't carve things out of wood. Um, well, I mean, I guess Catholics do, but like we don't we, we don't wow we don't carve things out of wood and stone and, and metal and like set them up in our houses. As the Catholic Church does. I mean, I don't know many Catholics that carve things. Actually, now that I think about it. It's a Catholic church. The well, church. yeah, they, they but 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 boy, do they buy them! <laughs> and like you know, other other, I guess I guess other Eastern religions and stuff like that do. But whatever in in our in our Western modern society, we we have traded over those things for the literal sacrifice of our bodies to our own to our own passions. Absolutely, and it's, it's not like that wasn't happening back then. They had whole temples dedicated to debauchery as. As, which is the word that I was thinking of. Yeah, debauchery is a great word. And then I was thinking about SpongeBob. Like, <laughs> debauchery. <laughs> um, Always goes back to SpongeBob. Yeah, it happens a lot. But but yeah, like we literally, I mean, people people change who they hang out with and who they interact with and how they interact with them to fulfill the passions, the evil passions that are within their heart. And uh, you know, like who they interact with, how they interact with them, whether it's online or in person or or whatever, like, we, we are slaves to our passions, and it, it just looks different now, but it's just as blatantly obvious, and also foolish, and also de- debauched. Debauched? Is that, the, is that the form? I have no idea. Debased sounds more correct. I, I wouldn't, you'll have to consult the, the online worlds later. Um, Debauchery! <laughs> the, and the way to that is true, because as Isaiah 44 is unpacking, you know, a man that would would cut down a tree and use part of the wood for for a fire to keep warm and and also cook with part of it and and then also form it into an idol and then worship it as if it can do anything um i mean it's exactly what we do with things as if the cooking wood just wasn't good enough right like <laughs> but but it's the same thing we do they they didn't have netflix so they couldn't make it conform to their passions and images but they would have if they if they had it so we have it so we do i mean it's exactly what we do with whatever it is whether it's the internet or 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 clothes or whatever it is we we take our body and we choose to use it uh to glorify our own desires and exalt them above the lordship of Christ and it's uh it's the same problem we are, we are, we find ourselves in exactly the same position uh as that as that person who who simply has the ability to to carve or make with their own hands um a physical image it's the same sin it's the same problem um and and so continuing as we look at Romans here, we we uh, we know that it says um, that they exchanged uh, the righteous decrees of God, which lead to life. They reject them, which literally means we choose death. We we volitionally choose death, and that's the reality of sin. Every time, it's the choosing of ourselves over God, and it's it's not something that this is one of the things that's very it's very clear. It's not something that is done passively. It's always something that is done. Actively, it is the active reject rejecting of God. It is the active uh, receiving of unrighteousness into ourselves. That is what we do um, with God's righteousness and His His commands um, and exalting ourselves over them. 
we we twist the the good gift that God has given of our body for his glory and we we use it instead as a perversion for our body for our glory and it's it's the it's the exchanging that great lie that we exchange the truth for and live out that lie instead and it leads to death and so we shouldn't be we're not so it's not the church is not should not be caught off guard the fact that we have allowed these things to creep into the church's paradigm is is the real issue we should never it should never have been possible we should have always understood this simple biblical ethic that is so clear that everything belongs to god this is the base understanding of a christian i am not my own i am i belong to the lord everything is his and the fact that we didn't even hold on to that simple truth and instead began to let these passions creep in as if they were acceptable to god when they are clearly not in his word is is probably the biggest it's, it's such a big indictment against the church and you were just clearing your throat. You didn't have anything to say. That's fine. I didn't know that. I apologize. Amen. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, we didn't. Nope. We didn't have anything to say. That's well, fine. I mean, it, it, you know, it's uh, as you look at as you look at the, the other sermons and, and everything like that, like um, they're, they're compiling a list was amazing. You know, yeah, we're going to have plenty of you're going to have plenty to listen to on biblical ethics for a long for time. For a long time. <laughs> um, but, you know, like they're really pushing back against the idea, you know, and it's it's kind of it kind of echoes what Dusty was Dusty Devers was saying in our last episode about how you know culture is ultimately downstream from the pulpits, and a lot of the Canadian pastors and, and in their messages that I've heard have have acknowledged that that our our cultures have our our Christian cultures have just completely wussed out on the idea of of God and His Word and how prominent it's supposed to be in our life. I mean. You know that question, or that that acknowledgement that that this world is God's and everything in it is His, and we are we are slaves essentially to to God, um, or slaves to unrighteousness. You know, like that that's that's the entire framework that we have. And when we when we lose that, when we're living in light of our of when we're living in the darkness, and we're choosing to live in the darkness and choosing not to live in the light, uh, like. Yeah, no, this is where we end up. This is where we end up when the church abdicates its responsibility um, from the pulpits to the congregations to the to the schools to everything. Every, everything is downstream. It's just, yeah. Absolutely, and that's why, that's why I think we, we, when we fail to live out the gift that we've been given, we, it's just, it's so, it's so foolish because, because the Christians that were put to death in Rome, that were were, were sacrificed for their faith um, in the Colosseum and in in the gardens of Nero as his human torches for his garden parties. I mean these these things happened because they did not have the Christian history we we have. They happened they happened in a way because those those Christians would have understood the same thing we're understanding now. They had no freedom. They had no, they had no, no chance to even express the freedom, and so they had to live under that law. And they were not going to leave. They were not going to exchange their, their truth for the lie, and so they faced death. Here, here, and this is what's amazing in our Western culture, particularly in America, the freedom we've been given that we are squandering when we have the very basis for the freedom we have is based upon the law of nature and nature's God. It's literally based on the fact that there is a higher authority that we appeal to beyond human government, and human government should conform itself to righteous standards, not to the standards of man's whims. And it, it's it, it's it's the Christian tradition that lived on beyond Rome and went to went to went went through Rome into the whole entirety of the world. That Christian history that we stand, you know, on the shoulders of those. Those men thinking we're giants. No, they they they've gotten us here through the grace and sovereign work of God, and we're wasting it. We're allowing the church to be taken over by whims instead of being directed by the the dictates of God through His Word. It's it's so it's just it's painful. What's wrong with you people? Yeah, R.C. Sproul would not have enough time in the day to do any other work because he'd just be shouting that all the time, right? Every other every other social media post, he'd just be <laughs> in his office. What's wrong with you people? It would be on repeat, and it's just so sad. Church, grab some, get some stones, stand up, and speak the truth. It's not just, it's not, 
It's because it glorifies God when you speak his truth. And it is exactly what the hurting world that's trying to find their fake identity through all these different sexual perversions needs the truth of God. Because in him is the real identity. My goodness. Yeah, it's like, it's like guys, we don't have to wait for the statistics to come out that tell us that we're right to start speaking the truth. We don't need the sociological studies about how about how detrimental these alternative sexual lifestyles are to the human psyche and body and everything. I mean, like we don't have to wait for that. We need to be, we need to be preaching and preaching boldly way, way before it even gets to that point. And that's why when you, when we, when we talk to Dusty Devers and we're like, this is exactly what, this is the exact same truth in concept that we're speaking against abortion is the same truth in concept that we're speaking against unrighteous magistrates. It's the same truth we're speaking against the unrighteousness of the sexual revolution. It's the same, the same truth is clear. Everything belongs to God and we need to conform ourselves to him and his righteous standard if we are going to live in this place the way God has intended, and we are indeed were created only for the purpose to glorify him, not ourselves. Yeah. Boom. Boom. And uh, when you take a maybe a more over, overview of what Romans 1 is saying, when you, when you go from verse 25 to 28 to 32, you will see what the natural progression of rejecting God, of the, rejecting nature's God, rejecting God um, actually does. Um, so in verse 25, it tells us that the first thing we're going to do is exchange the truth for a lie, which we've already highlighted. And the next thing in verse 28, it says that we're going to put that lie into practice, doing what ought not to be done. And this is a point that I think is important for us to understand. As Paul's talking about um, men and women giving up uh, their natural creative order and their desire to be in a relationship with a man in a member of the opposite gender. He's, he's speaking here about men desiring men, women desiring women. And our culture has somehow tried to obfuscate this into, well, that was just for the Roman times. That was just back then. They were outdated. Um, God made me uh, to live outside of the normal uh, sexual ethic he has given in creation. I was made to live in this lifestyle. I think it's important to note that Paul here in, in verse 28 clearly says that these these people are doing what ought not to be done. Um, it is not correct to live that way. We, we, we need to love people enough to tell them the truth and call them to live in a repentant lifestyle towards what God has created them for which is his glory, and it's so much better to live for his glory than to live for our own. Um, in verse 32, it then runs down to the fact that we affirm the lie so much so that we feel justified and then also encourage it in others. And this is exactly where we see the tyranny of magistrates coming in. The, the, um, the sexual revolution present in the political sphere where it's literally encouraging that unrighteousness in others. Uh, and it is it is to the detriment of the entire culture when we are running from God's created order. Yep, it's encouraging it's encouraging unrighteousness in and others, and it's literally criminalizing any attempt to bring it the other way. It's it's one way legislation to the point where even if you're even if you acknowledge or feel that what you're feeling is wrong, you cannot get help because the state has declared it right. And that's just, it's, it is, it's, uh, it's insanity. Yeah. It puts us, it, it just, well, it's, it's a, it's almost, it puts the church in the position it needs to be where the church needs to have, it, apparently needs to have its back against the wall before it actually starts doing what it's supposed to do. And, and one of the things that I, I see continually is, oh, the church numbers are going down or church attendance is going down or people are no longer identifying as Christian more and more. And, and all I'm thinking about is it's, it's okay if people that were nominally playing with Christ as if he was a toy, instead of taking seriously Christ in their, in their every everyday life and letting him be the Lord of their life, those people did not properly understand what it was meant to be a believer in Christ, a, a Christian and so it's not that the church is getting smaller, it's that the church is getting stronger. And the church needs to be strong in these times because these truths need to be spoken clearly. 
uh, for a hurting world, a dying world, a lost world to return and find their purpose in the glorifying of God as the Lord and Savior of all the, all things in their life. Amen. Amen. Bow the knee now because bowing the knee later is way too late. Oh, man. Totally true. Uh, when we, we highlighted in Isaiah 44 uh, up to verse 20, where it's talking about how we make idols before God, the next, the very next section um, is one of the two things we had to call for, for us to call to action uh, in the church, the things the church must do uh, in these times with, with these lies in order to pull people towards the righteousness of God. Um, and the first thing we must do is remember the Redeemer. So in Isaiah 44, starting in verse 21 to 22, it says this. Now, I'm going to read something that's talking specifically to Israel, and I know that's going to get people upset sometimes because it's like, that's written towards Israel. You can't make applications towards the church. Uh, calm down. Hang on a second. Let me read it, and then let's let's see. Let's see. Let's see what God says and see if it actually does also speak clearly to the church as well. Here's what it says in verses 21 and 22 of Isaiah 44. Remember these things, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I formed you. You are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. We must remember that we have been redeemed by God. Um, it is him who has redeemed us. Um, and that changes the paradigm of our lives. We have been bought with the price of Christ's blood. And we have been sealed through the Holy Spirit given to us from the resurrection of Christ. These things are real. And we must remember them because they remind us of the Lordship on a day-to-day basis of who Christ is and what he has done for us. Remembering the Redeemer consistently in a moment-by-moment faith so that we can live the next moment for his glory. Mm-mm-mm. We do not belong to ourselves. Everything belongs to God. It's all about that gospel, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to bring it back. <laughs> Additionally, Paul, right before he sets everything up here uh, from verse 18 on, he says in verses 16 through 17 um, that we need to be unashamed of gospel and faith. We need to have an unashamed gospel faith. Um, which means it needs to be present in the world for them to see. Here's what it says in verses Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. We need that unashamed gospel faith to be present in our lives. So we need to take it with us to the store. We need to take it with us to the gas station. We need to take it with us to our workplaces. We need to take it and make, it needs to be, geez, the epicenter of our homes. Um, these, th- this, this gospel faith needs to emanate from us because that is what will help the world to come to know Christ because in it is the righteousness of God for salvation. Oh man. Oh, it's a good word. It's a good word. It's a good word. It's a good word. <laughs> um, what else you want me to say? I mean, it was a good word. No, I got nothing, man. I, 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 it was a good word. It's not my word. It's written down here in Romans for us to understand that this is the, this is what we need to do. So, by remembering the Redeemer, uh, and by grabbing a hold of an unashamed gospel faith, we can begin to push back on these things where the world is trying to take. Right, it's trying to take what belongs to God, and conform it to man's passions which is the very thing that breeds destruction. Church, we must stand boldly on the word of God and speak clearly the gospel of life so that we can give reason for the hope that is within us. That is what we're giving a reason for. And it is hopeless to continue to let people to live in a perverted sexual life, confusing their gender and their sexuality for the sake of their own desires instead of conforming it to the glory of God where it can be fruitful and a worshipful act. Yeah. Amen. Being being silent isn't loving your neighbor. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's so true. Being silent isn't loving your neighbor. And <laughs> and when someone is leading in a lie, it is not loving to, to, to not say something. Rather, we should all be pointing and saying, repent, you're a liar. You need to stop. Because if not, we're letting people continue to follow someone who is leading them to death. 
Yeah. And I mean, in, in case you haven't gathered that you really should go back and listen to episode 51 with Dusty Devers, it was incredibly wonderful and very pastoral um, take on abolition and abortion. But one of the other things that he, one of the other things that he mentioned, you know, when we were, when we were saying like, okay, so what's the church supposed to do? Like, how, how do you interact? I know that there's a big push for these, you know, going to the abortion centers and whatever. And he said, he said, really just the, the, the question that we have to ask is if, if, if you were heading towards death, what would you want someone to do in order to save you from that death? And, and so that helped for me frame, frame the people that, that seem so, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, uh, desperate or, or committed or, um, you know, 110% out there at the, at the abortion mills. It, It really helped frame their, what they were doing in a, in a much more, clear way for me. And I think that it's, we, I think that that attitude has to be applied really to the seriousness of, of, of the sexual sin as well. And, and its implications into people's lives. You know, if, if I am heading towards death, you know, what would I want someone to do for me? You know, and it really takes a lot of the things that we think are crazy and, inappropriate off the table (laughs) you're gonna be that weird bible guy talking to people about the bible oh my gosh you're gonna be the weird person giving them life trying to save them from their very passions that are eating them and consuming them that are leading them to a heart that is filled with darkness and death yeah i mean i'm I'm not saying sneak into your you know friend's bedroom and put a chastity belt on in the middle (laughs) of the night i'm not saying do that but i'm saying that we should be responsible to be preaching truth into their lives that if you do that, don't be surprised when you get arrested. <laughs> you, yes, you, you should. Honestly, you should. You should. You should no, don't should don't do that. Not for preaching the truth. Yes, but no. For, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, in some places, yeah. Yeah. No, you will be arrested for preaching the truth. This is why we. That's why this whole thing. It's the <laughs> coming back full circle. Here. Yeah, we are. But yeah, no. I mean, take up that take up that mantle and stand up and be bold and and be, don't be afraid to speak the truth. Stop trying to avert your eyes from the opportunities Christ gives us to actually speak this truth all the time. Stop trying to avert your eyes from the from your coworkers and and the, the the person checking you out at the grocery store. Stop trying to avert your eyes from what what God has put right in front of you where you can speak the truth. I'm not saying you I am certainly not saying that you need to go Billy Graham, you know, tent revival every time you know you're in a, a public location what i am saying is that well billy that, graham was an alcoholic and he was a player okay or something, right? if god is calling you to do that you should do that but if not every opportunity you have to interact with somebody you're never as 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 c.s lewis said it you're never interacting with a mere mortal you're always act, interacting with someone who has a soul that will move into uh eternity and what are you what are we doing with those opportunities um that that's ultimately what everything belongs to God means. We need to interact with people as if it actually does matter for eternity and not miss and not, not be literally looking away so that we don't have to have that conversation. Yeah. You can't half kneel to Nebuchadnezzar's idol and half kneel to God. Ooh, you, nope. You, yeah. You, you can't do, you can't do that. Nope. You stand up and you say, no, God will save us. And even if God does not save us, we will not kneel to you because God is our God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hold the line. Yep. Hold yeah, the that line, would make a great baby. shirt. That would, I think it actually did make a great shirt. Carabayfitter.com slash shop if you really want one. It's yeah, pretty hold awesome. The line. It's looks really that. good on the sweatshirts, which are nice and toasty warm. Oh, they're so nice. Especially when you're sitting here in the basement, eh, Jesse? Yeah. Oh, it's so cold. I mean, if you're, never mind, I can't, I can't see We should that. make slippers because it is cold down here. It is really cold down here. Maybe it ain't slippers. <laughs> Seize the warmth. Seize the warmth. <laughs> We've made four of them. Two of them are for us, uh, and two of them are for... <laughs> really weird random people around the country. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But that is uh that is our episode fifty two. Uh really the whole idea is to be encouraged to go out there and actually speak the truth that God that everything belongs to God and that includes all of our all of our, our sexual passions and deviancies. Bring them in conformity to the standard of the righteous hand of God and do so today. Hmm. Which I think leads us to have to tell you, remember Seize the faith. faith.